Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and I cannot wait for today's episode. We are going to be talking to an amazing woman who literally threw caution to the wind, left everything behind, and started an adventure that led her to debt freedom. But it also led her to finding herself and learning so much more about what is important in life. I can't wait for this conversation with Abigail Lozano of Abigail Adventures. Before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know about our newest opportunity to connect on a different level. We have just initiated the YQD subscriber community. Now, if you're asking yourself, what the heck is that? Let me tell you. I've gotten so many requests from people who love the podcast and want to support us. And so the YQD community is the way to do it. So once you become a subscriber to the YQD community, you become a member of our circle. Becoming a member of our community gives you exclusive access to the Yo Quiero Dinero Slack community. You get access to me and other subscribers to help you accomplish your money goals. Plus, you get free exclusive access to all YQD live events, plus monthly meetups with me and other guests from the podcast. And you even get a free t-shirt. If you want to find out more, head over to patreon.com slash yo quiero dinero podcast. Now let's get into today's episode with Abigail Lozano of Abigail Adventures. If you're a side hustler, a gig worker, or a full-on entrepreneur boss babe, you know that tax time sucks. But it's a necessary evil when it comes to owning your own business, so why not make it less stressful? That's why I love Keeper Tax. Keeper Tax automatically finds tax write-offs amongst your purchases for your business, and it helps people save over $1,200 in 10 minutes on average. First, they scan your past purchases for write-offs. It auto-monitors your purchases for write-offs you might have missed, and at tax time, you can file your taxes right through Keeper Tax or seamlessly export your savings. 
To find out more, check out keepertax.com slash dinero. Ava, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm so excited to talk to you. I think you found out about me through Finances in Fuego, but I don't know if that's actually true. So why don't you let me know? Um, so I think it was through Finances in Fuego also, but actually I found out about you through your side hustle summit. That was you, ah, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I attended one of the classes. I don't remember off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. um, definitely got to know more about you um, through Finances in Fuego. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you because you are an example of a woman who is just taking charge, handling her business, and you paid off over $50,000 worth of debt. And we're going to talk about how the hell you even started to do that. Oh, girl. (laughs) Before we get into that, I want you to just go ahead and introduce yourself to all the listeners. Yeah. So um, my name is Abigail, um, Ava for short, and I am a Filipina American. I'm originally from California and I'm currently here now, Um, but I spent the last four years living in South Korea teaching English and uh, I just love living the expat life. I love traveling and I actually have my next destination planned, Uh, but you know, Miss Rona is has me rooted here for now. So. <laughs> playing too many games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's freaking exciting. And I feel like so many people dream of this expat life. So I can't wait to get into what that's actually like. But obviously, you know, this podcast is all about many. And one of the things that I love about sharing our stories is understanding where my guests started their money journeys and how that relationship with money started. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about how your relationship with money was, you know, founded with your family, what you learned and um, how you first became interested in kind of understanding more about personal finance. Yeah. So I was thinking about this and my relationship with money at first, I was like, what relationship with money, you know, <laughs> growing up. That's um, a very common yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my parents, so my parents are um, Filipino immigrants. Um, they came here. I think my mom came here when she was in her twenties and my dad a little bit later in life. Um, but, you know, all throughout their lives had always helped their own brothers or sisters or their families throughout the years. Um, you know, I always had uncles and aunts living with us and, you know, grandma, grandpas. In the Filipino culture, we don't really talk about money. And it's it's kind of a taboo topic for us. I guess for my parents, they never showed the struggle. So mm-hmm. I never really knew what the whole story was and, and how our finances were. So, um, you know, my parents, they, they had jobs, my mom on and off. When I was very young, she worked for an insurance company. My dad has worked for the post office for more than 30 years. And then my mom, once my sister was born, she kind of stopped working and was babysitting for a few years. And then she worked for the school district and then she had to retire early. So growing up, I knew that we weren't well off, but I don't think that we were like super struggling either. You know, I just Mm -hmm. knew that like, you know, like if we went out, we didn't go out to eat at restaurants a lot. We ate food at home. And if we did go out to eat, we would share dishes instead of ordering like off the kids menu, like Mm -hmm. for us kids and stuff like that. So I don't know, I guess kind of knowing subconsciously knowing that my parents were trying to, to do what they could with their money. For me growing up, I, I I think I developed a little bit of a saving kind of mindset on my own, Mm because I can just remember growing up every Christmas, uh, we would get money for as Christmas presents. And usually the money would come like in envelopes and everything. And, you know, as soon as Christmas was over, I would just count all my money and I would put it in one envelope. And every time, you know, like I would want to buy something, I'd check how much money I have and like kind of think, oh, do I want to spend my money on this? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, what am I going to spend my my Christmas money on? But I think for myself, like, I would see like my cousins or brothers and sisters, and they would kind of just like spend their money as soon as they got it. But I feel Mm -hmm. like for myself, I would kind of hold on to my money a little bit longer, I would eventually spend it. But I feel like at the beginning, I'd hold on to it a little bit longer before just going and spending it right away. Got it. 
Okay, yeah. so did you see that same pattern with your parents? Like, were they savers or were they, like, spenders or what was that like? You know, I can't really say if they were savers. I, I would say they were more spenders. You know, mm-hmm. I think that even though we weren't well off, they never wanted us to want for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if we wanted to do after school activities, join different clubs or, you know, extracurricular things, they they would encourage it and they would pay for it and you know they would find a way for us to to do it and like I said they never would talk to us about money I don't ever remember you know my parents saying like oh no you can't do that because we don't have the money for it Mm. you know Mm -hmm. so I I feel like they even though they had to struggle uh, for it, they never showed us that struggle. They they kind of wanted to present us with the idea that we could have whatever we want, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a very common narrative, especially for immigrant families that leave their native country and come here. They don't want either immediate family or extended family to feel like that sacrifice was not meant for something mm-hmm. better. So they are very hesitant to show that there is any struggle. They're hesitant to ask for help. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's a lot of emphasis on kind of showing like, hey, we made it because we're in America. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. It's like, you know, they're in America. So, you know, it's like the, the American dream and stuff right. like that. Yeah. So you went off to college. What did you study and what inspired you to go that route? Yeah, so I went to college, and when I entered, I declared as a psychology major. Like I said, when I was in high school, I was involved in a lot of student organizations and everything, and one of the ones I was involved with was a youth organization, and we worked towards like advocacy for alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs use among teens. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mentors, they kind of inspired me to want to do that when I was older, like continue working with youth and inspiring them and all of that. I declared a psychology major because I thought it could lead me in that direction. But my second semester of college, I was like, "Eh, I can't really do anything with a psychology major. I don't want to go to graduate school or doctorate school to get further degrees. So I I ended up switching to a communication major. You know, my parents were like, well, what can you do with that? And (laughs) girl, the day I graduated, I didn't know the answer to that question. Um, But I thought it was just a general thing. You know, I was like, well, it's a general, like it's a it's a general umbrella. So, you know, there's a lot of things I can do with it. I can go to media or journalism or, you know, just different things. But I didn't really do that or anything okay. with it. Yeah. When I graduated, I I was fortunate um, because three weeks after I graduated, my friend said, hey, like I have somebody who's looking for a customer service person to work at like an apartment building in San Francisco. Would you be interested? And I was like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything. Let me try to get a job. It might be a good starter job. So I went and it was actually for a corporate relocation company. And I didn't know anything about corporate relocation or that it was its whole industry. So I ended up getting hired as just like a a front desk person. But my boss, she actually saw something in me and hired me to be her assistant. So I was the assistant to the director. And for the next five years, I grew in the corporate relocation world. I became the assistant to the director and then I became the sales and guest services director and I was managing housekeeping teams, guest services teams. And then um, when I was 25, I had a quarter life crisis and I was like, <laughs> I don't I don't want, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. So yeah. I you know, I wanted to travel and I found an opportunity to be a, an English language tutor in Italy doing a volunteer thing for 3 months. And so I was like, let me apply for this. Let me see if I'm going to get it. And so I did. I applied for it. I got it. And at the time I was in a 5-year relationship. And so I did it and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to Italy for three months. But, you know, when I come back, then I'll move to San Diego so we could be together. Mm -hmm. And so I did that and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with um, the traveling and I fell in love with the teaching. And that's kind of how my 
I found my place in teaching English. Okay. Yeah. So that position in Italy, that was not paid. That was a volunteer position? Yeah, that was a volunteer position. Um, but like I said, it led me to my passion to um, teaching English. And mm -hmm. once I came back, I got back into the corporate relocation world for another two years um, and still kept excelling in that role. I, you know, um, I became a reservation coordinator at a different company and then I made my way to manager in less than a year. But that whole time I was just like, I, I want to get back out there. I want to, I want to teach English. And so took it upon myself to take an ESL course. Once the job got too much for me, I, I didn't want to be on my phone 24 seven, replying to customers, bending at their every needs. And so I couldn't take it anymore. I had gotten my ESL certificate and I was like, all right, um, where can I go? And a classmate of mine was like, Japan's not accepting applications anymore, but Korea is. And I was like, okay, let me apply to Korea. And so I did and I got it and I went, you know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you hear all these stories of people just like living this nomad life, but you actually like left all the security of the US. Like, did you break up with the boyfriend? Like, was that just... So yeah, I, at that point I was, it had been eight years mm -hmm. <laughs> when I left for Korea, we were going on eight years. Um, we had gotten engaged, you know, I was still kind of in that mindset that, you know, like I'm going to get married, settle down, you know, mm -hmm. live my life. Uh, tra I can travel like once a year or whatever. And you know, all of my family at that point, I was almost 30. Mm -hmm. um, I was about 28. And so at that point, everyone's like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? <laughs> you course. know, all of that, <laughs> you know, Filipino families. <laughs> and so, yeah, we got engaged just because I thought it was the next step, the logical next step. Once I got to Korea, I was like, okay, you know, it's a one year contract. Cool. I'm going to do this for a year. I'm going to travel for a year and I'll kind of get it out of my system. But when I got there, I was like, I love this and <laughs> I don't know if I can just do this just for a year, you oh. know? And yeah. And so I, I brought up the conversation um, with my ex and I was like, you know, what if, you know, what if I possibly wanted to stay for another year? And it wasn't even like, I'm going to stay for another year. It was just a possibility I was thinking of, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And his response to that was, well, I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> as far wait okay so <laughs> that first year like are you allowed to come back and forth or you, have, you just have to stay there well you can travel so okay. usually with when, when you teach in korea you sign a year contract you know my other grandparents i either didn't know them or they passed away when i was younger so mm -hmm. you get 20 days of vacation well okay. i was teaching in public school so that's for the public school system um mm -hmm. you get 20 days of vacation for a year usually you use 10 days of vacation during the summertime so like july august and then 10 days of vacation for winter which is like january february so you can travel um yeah. within those times yeah okay so so what was this agreement that you had made <laughs> that he was reminding <laughs> you of um putting putting the ring on my finger <laughs> okay got it <laughs> right you know yes yeah. um yeah so that that kind of made me rethink everything maybe a month after that um my my grandma had passed away and she was the only she was the most prominent uh grandparent figure that I had in my life I had 28 years with her it was a huge thing for me um I was fortunate to be able to come home and spend time with my family at that point, I had only been in Korea for four months of my one-year contract. But as soon as I got home, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, we missed you. Like, are you ready to come home yet? Are you, when's the wedding? You know, when are you going to settle down? Like, and I was just, I was suffocated. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the only way that I can describe it is that I was, I was suffocated and I don't know, just my grandma passing away, even though she lived a, a long and fruitful life of 87 years, it kind of just reminded me that like time, you know, like life is short. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I went back to Korea and I, I made the tough decision and I was like, I, I don't want to come home and settle down just yet. I want to keep traveling. I want to do this for me, mm -hmm. you know? Because yeah. it was the first time since I graduated that I was making this decision for myself. 
after graduation, I moved back home to help family. You know, I, I went to Italy, but with the, uh, you know, with the decision to, to move to San Diego so that my ex and I didn't have to do long distance. You know, he had different, uh, he had opportunities in his career to, to move to the Bay Area, to move to San Francisco, because that's where I was at. But it was never kind of the right move for him. So I always understood that. And, you know, me moving to Korea, it was kind of my turn to do that. And I felt like nobody understood that, mm. you know. So I made a quote unquote selfish choice to just really focus on myself for like the first time ever. And doing that, I, I knew that I had to make the decision to either stay in Korea or come home at the end of my year contract 100% for myself, not because my family expects me to, not because I'm engaged, not because of what anyone else wants, but because of what I want. And I freaking love that. Oh my God. Like you're yeah. giving me goosebumps because <laughs> I can so relate to just this feeling of making so many decisions in your life based on what other people want for you versus mm -hmm. like really asking yourself, like, what do you want? Like, what exactly. exactly is it that you are doing all of these things for? Is it for you exactly. or is it for somebody else? Right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and, it, you know, it wasn't until recently that I realized, you know, just reflecting that this year marked 10 years that I graduated from college, but it wasn't uh, you know, I, I didn't envision my life to be what it is now. And I, I realized that just because I didn't ask myself, what do you really want? You know, and mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really allow myself to dream big enough. So yeah, yeah, four years ago, when I went to Korea, it was it was finally the time. And, um, you know, when I when I got back after my grandma's funeral, and I, I went through that process and everything, um, I decided to break it off with my ex um, and decided to just see where where it all took me that that same year, I, I thought I was gonna go home. I was like, Yeah, you know, like, I, I thought about it for a few months, like, but homes where I belong, because, you know, Filipinos are very family oriented. Mm -hmm. And I missed out on a lot of things. And I was like, No, my heart's at home. That's where I belong and everything. And in January, which was like, maybe like a month and a half before my contract ended, I was just like, Nope, a year hasn't been enough. And <laughs> I'm going to stay. <laughs> so, so you left yeah. in 2010. Uh, 2016. 2010 is when the, I graduated college. Okay, 20, okay, so you graduated 2010. 2016, you moved to South Korea to mm -hmm. teach English. And how long were you there? I was there for four years. I just okay. returned. Yeah, I just returned in February of this year. Okay, so the $50,000 of debt, that you had amassed was that between when you graduated and then when you went to Korea was your move to Korea part of your plan to get rid of that debt like how does that all tie together yeah so when I graduated I had about $28,000 in student loan debt and maybe six months later I decided oh, you know like I have a big girl job now I'm working a nine-to-five you know let me get a car and mm -hmm. I, my parents were like, yeah, you know, you can buy a new car, just pay it off monthly. Um, so I ended up signing for a car loan, which was another $20,000. So by 2010, by the end of 2010, you know, rounding up with the credit card debt I had, I, I had $50,000 in debt by then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And okay. so over the years, yeah, over the years, I saved a little, racked up more debt, like, with um, credit cards. And, you know, I, like I said, I helped out family over the years. I fortunately didn't, my parents didn't make me pay rent while living at home or anything. Um, but I helped in other ways, you know, just with whatever they needed for the house and, you know, mm -hmm. buying food and all of that. When I moved back to San Diego to be with my ex, uh, you know, it was like spending time with friends a lot, eating out a lot. We used to go to Vegas, you know, a few times a year. And then it was, I was always flying back and forth from San Diego to San Francisco a lot. And I just had, did things like, you know, I always had to get a mani-pedi bi-weekly and <laughs> just stuff like that. So, you know, I didn't really have good spending habits. I, because I had a quote unquote big girl job, I had money to spend. Right. So, yeah. Very common story. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I paid off, you know, my monthly stuff. I 
was never late for payments or anything like that. Um, that's, that's something I learned from my parents and their habits. You know, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of us learn what not to do. So, yeah, so I, I was always making my payments monthly and everything. And when I left for Korea in April of 2016, I had to go back into my records and look at this, but um, I had about 12000 left in my student loans, 9000 for my car, and I racked up a little bit of debt moving to South Korea. So I had about maybe 3000 in credit card debt. So mm-hmm. when I went there, I, I was still like over 20 grand in debt. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And you were there for four years. I mean, before we even get into like your strategy for paying off your debt, I want to know what was that like? Because it sounds amazing to just be able to go literally to the other side of the world and just experience cultures that you never thought you would experience. It was a dream for me, you know, just being immersed in in different cultures, you know, when I when I taught in Italy, and when I did a volunteer trip to Australia, when I was in college and everything, I just felt like, you know, being in a different culture, being in a foreign place, being somewhere where I can explore constantly and and just be out of my comfort zone. Like, that's where I belong. You know, that's where Mm -hmm. I thrive. And because South Korea um, has the native English teachers built into their education system, there's a huge foreigner community out there, um, Mm. whether it's the teachers, but also the military. So even though I got homesick, it was still, you know, I still found, I found my community, I found my friends, I found my tribe. um, And and that's really what made me stay, made me want to stay, is Mm -hmm. the fact that I found those friends, I found my community and um, I found people that, you know, had my back. That's so important. And I think that's what um, anybody who's trying to make like a big change in your life, whether it's changing the way that you deal with your finances or moving across the world, like it's all about support systems, right? I always talk about having people that can keep you accountable, having people that can support you Mm -hmm. and just people that can align with like what you're trying to do. I think that's so important. And that really does determine like, whether or not you're successful with a lot of stuff in life. So yeah, so definitely. I'm curious um, what the actual process is like for applying to go and teach English in South Korea, or, you know, I know there's other countries that do this too. So is the process pretty elaborate or what does it entail? Um, well, for me, I um, worked with a, a recruiter. And so mm-hmm. the recruiters out there, um, it's nice because you actually, you don't pay for the recruiters. The schools, if they hire you, they're the ones that end up paying the recruiting fee. Mm -hmm. So um, all I had to do was work with the recruiters, send in my profile, my resume, all of that. And this is just my personal experience. Within a a week or so, they're like, okay, well, we have some schools that want to interview you because I had applied for a specific program. It's called GEPIC which is the Gyeonggi English program in Korea. So it's for mm-hmm. a specific region. They have a program called EPIC, which is just the English program in Korea. And for that one, you just, um, you interview to get into the program, but you don't know where you're going to be placed until you actually go to Korea for um, like an orientation. Mm-hmm. But for mine, schools interviewed me personally before I went there. So when I left, I knew where I was going. So I applied with the recruiters. They said, somebody wants to interview you. I said, okay, let's do it. I got the interview. And then they were like, okay, the school wants to hire you. Um, send us, you know, they outline all the paperwork I needed to send. And then they kind of take care of everything in terms of getting like the visa and all of that on on their end. And the only thing I had to do here, I had to get a few things apostilled, and then I had to just go to an embassy to apply for my uh, my Korean visa. And do they pay for relocation or that was your expense? So with your school, um, they will either reimburse or give you a flight allowance. So Mm -hmm. I paid it, and then when I went to Korea, they paid me back. And the great thing is... The, the other reason why I loved. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero living in South Korea and, and chose to go there for it was because just because of the benefits. So as an English teacher in Korea, I got housing paid for. So like all of my rent and I got, like I said, 20 days of vacation. I got 11 sick days. My school pays for half of my health insurance and every Korean citizen or person working in Korea is required to put 9% um, into their pension. But my school paid for half of that. So I only mm. had to pay, pay 4% and then they paid the other half. So those in itself are like, those are the, the hugest benefits to um, living there. And then if you renew your contract with the same school, you usually also get a bonus for renewing, which is equivalent to what month's pay. And then when you leave your school for every year that you worked there, you get about one month's pay as severance pay. Wow. Yeah. And so what's the pay range look like? So the pay range isn't that great. Um, When I started, I went there um, because I didn't have any prior experience. I started at 2 million won, 2 million Korean won, which is about, in today's exchange rate, it's probably about like 1,500 a month, 1,500, 1,600 a month. So it's really not that much. But, you know, when you factor in everything else, they pay for your rent and all of that. Yeah, um, it's like yeah. all the money is just basically at your disposal because you're not paying mm-hmm. for any of the traditional things that people spend most of their paychecks on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay, yeah. so you were actually able to pay off over, like you said, $20,000 that you had left of your debt while earning substantially less than you were earning while working in the States. So mm-hmm. can you talk us through how that you know, how you actually formulated your plan for the debt payoff? Yeah. um, So the first two years, I kind of still just messed around. (laughs) Because like I I said, you're in a new place, you know, you're exploring. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, for at least for the first year, I didn't know if, you know, if I was going to be there longer. So I was traveling, I was putting it on my credit card and all of that. Um. And then also it was like, you know, everything's so new. I want to do everything in Korea. I want to do right. this and do that. Go to Seoul every weekend, go to all these events with my friends um, and everything. But after like the first year or two, that, 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 um, the newness, the newness mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, it wore off the novelty, the novelty right. wore off. And so, um, 
I mean, during that time, I was still making my minimal payments. Um, you know, I was still, even though I was living in Korea, I was still paying for my car. You know, my family was using it, but I didn't want to ask them to pay for it because I knew that they couldn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I was still paying for things like, you know, like my car insurance. And I was still paying for a lot of things back home. So um, it wasn't actually until the end of 2017 that I really was like, I need to get my, my finances in order. Mm -hmm. So, um, and what motivated me to do that was, um, I met a new guy <laughs> mm. who's currently my boyfriend now. Um, and Did you guys uh, meet over there. Yeah. So we, we met over there, um, during, uh, just, it was, you know, in this day and age, in the day and age of Tinder and all the oh, yeah. dating dating apps and all of that, um, it was a very organic meeting and connection. And so, I don't know, I just kind of blow our story. Um, but I had, I was hanging out with friends um, and we decided to go to this restaurant um, called Wink, who was, it was also a, a travel within Korea company. Mm -hmm. um, and usually whenever they do their trips, their pickup and drop off point is the restaurant. And so that day I was hanging out with my friends and they're like, oh yeah, you know, Wink is having a trip that's coming back. They have some, um, they have some specials going on. Let's go have drinks. And so I said, okay, cool. Um, my boyfriend was on that trip. And so when the people from the trip came back, um, he had come into the restaurant. Um, I was sitting facing the door and he came in the door and he just looked straight at me and he was like, Hey, <laughs> and I, I was like, uh, I was a couple drinks in, I looked around me. I was like, is he talking to me? Cause it was like, he knew me, you know? And so yeah. I, I couldn't say anything at first. And then he ended up sitting with a girl I knew, um, like behind another table. And I, like I said, I was a couple drinks in. I usually don't have this type of confidence, but I was like, I need to get to know this guy. And so I went up, I started talking to my friend and I was like, how's the trip? You know, everything and whatever. And we were catching up. And then I was like, oh, by the way, who's your friend? And she was like, <laughs> she was like, I don't know this guy. And I was like, oh, well, in that case, I'm Ava. And I just reached out my hand and he's like, I'm Darren and shook hands. And yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so cute. I freaking love it. Yeah. So, um, so he, he falls into the category, um, that, you know, Hey Berna, um, trademarked of a hella pale, hella stale, <laughs> hella male world. Um, hella male, hella pale. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, he, he grew up, um, you know, fortunate enough to be financially educated. And um, from the time he was 18, he started self-educating himself. Um, mm. And, uh, and so he's, he's, you know, he's, he's on point with all of that. Um, and at, at the time we met, you know, I wasn't. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we had been talking and literally this was two days, two or three days into us having just met and just, you know, talking over a messenger app. And he straight up asked me, how are you doing with your finances? Saving, <laughs> investing for the future? Hey, I love a man who gets right to the point. And I, I was talking about what this with him the other night. You know, I, I was, I remember this clearly. I was in my kitchen cooking and I saw that on my phone and I was shook, girl. I was like, <laughs> excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're doing the most, sir. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I told him just, you know, it's not as good as I want to, but it's another reason to stay in Korea longer, you know, is to, to save up and get that in mm -hmm. order. And his response to that was start now. <laughs> and then so we just talked he... about whatever. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to ask you, did he actually like help you formulate your plan for payoff or did he give you advice or anything like that? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, as we started to get to know each other, he would just, you know, kind of just 
talk about like all things finance, um, you know, budgeting, personal finance. He really, he's really into investing. Like that's like his true love in the personal finance world is investing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he would always be talking about these things and or asking me questions. Um, But at that time, I didn't really have you know much to say about it because I'm like personal finance, what? You know, (laughs) so. I kind of started to learn a little bit from him. Um, And in January of 2018, a couple of months after we um, had met, I was like, all right, like, I know I'm going to stay in Korea for like another year at least. I want to, that's when I made the decision. I want to leave Korea without debt. Mm -hmm. I want to pay off all my debt before I leave Korea. And so he kind of um, told me, you know, like, well, what debt do you have? I said, you know, my student loans, my credit card and all of that. Um, And, you know, he had told me about like the snowball method, the avalanche method and stuff like that. So it's not like we sat down and like went through everything together, but he would always just kind of tell me about, you know, different methods or different ways to kind of get started with like budgeting and and different things. Um, But yeah, I, I, I made that decision because, you know, I didn't. When he first asked me about it, I, I realized that I I was shook and I was like really shocked about it because I had this guilt and shame around mm. my debt when somebody asked me, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, dang, like, how can I have so much debt and so much money that I need to pay off? And, you know, I just... I thought to myself, you know, if I could be out here traveling, spending money on traveling, I could be out here paying my debt, you know, and I just didn't want to be in the same situation um, that my parents were in, you know, always, um, you know, struggling or trying to make ends meet. And I wanted to be able to take care of not only myself, but to take care of my parents, you know, if I could in the future, I didn't want to be in that same situation of always having something to pay off. Yeah. That's a very common, I don't want to say burden. I think that's just, um, it's something that we definitely do place on ourselves as, you know, children of immigrants, like Mm -hmm. in order to, I guess, repay our parents for the sacrifices that they've made. The last thing that we want is to, to be in a position where we can't help them as they get older. So I definitely relate to that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's, that's also why I, I kind of, you know, got myself into more debt is because I didn't want to say no to not helping my parents, you know? Mm. So we kind of dig that hole deeper for ourselves. But, um, you know, as, as Darren, my boyfriend, as we, as he started talking to me about finance more, I, I realized that I, I did want to talk about it. I did want to, you know, face the facts and face my financial situation. Um, but he and I were at such different points, you know, in our lives with our financial journey. Um, so Mm -hmm. I felt like I could learn from him and I could talk to him about it. Um, but I also felt like I was a little bit alone in that, in that sense as well, because, you know, I'm, I'm here like in the negative paying off debt and he is over here, you know, building wealth for himself and for, you know, his future. Yeah. It, it can definitely feel discouraging. Um, yeah. So I, I can, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And so you decided in January, 2018, like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm not going back to the U S with debt. So mm-hmm. what was your strategy? What was your game plan? So my game plan. Um, so at that point I had about 22,000 to pay off. Um, I had about 9,000 left in student loans, 8,000 in my credit card. That was the eye opener for me. I'm like, how can I have this much in credit card debt? It's almost as much Mm -hmm. as my student loans, you know, and about $5,000 left on my car. Um, so I made that, I made the decision, like, I'm going to sell my car. I'm sorry, fam. But like, if Mm. you need a car, you need to get your own, you know, I've been (laughs) paying this for like two years. Um, and so, um, my sister's boyfriend, he actually, um, sells cars for a living. And so he helped me to sell my car off. So that kind of jump started everything in January, um, 2018. Um, he sold it for about 6,000. Um, so I paid off the rest of my car loan and then the extra I put towards my credit card. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I had a, you know, I had a jump start with selling my car. Um, but then after that, I just decided for myself that, you know, any bonus or severance um, payments that I would get for renewing my contract, that I would put most of it towards my bills. Um, and I made a commitment to putting a thousand U.S. dollars um, every month towards my um my bills and savings. Cause that's when I also started to save. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, at that point I was making about say like 1700 to 1800 us dollars. So more than half of my paycheck went towards paying off my bills. I made that commitment to myself, um, to, 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 you know, just to pay it off and to be just very aggressive about it. Um, and also to start saving, because like I said, I was using my credit cards and everything to travel, but I also made the decision that I'm going to actually save for my traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a big game changer. And that was something that kept getting me into that was travel because I'm obsessed mm-hmm. and I just want to go everywhere, but I would never budget for it until I ah. decided to create a bank account specifically for travel. Because then I'm not trying to figure out like what part of my money that's in my checking account mixed with everything else I can Mm -hmm. use for travel. Like, I feel like some people can do the whole Excel spreadsheet and break down things to the cent. I'm Mm -hmm. not that person. I just need to have my money separated with a purpose. And so for me, that was the way to go about it. So. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not an Excel person either. I'm like pen and paper. Yeah. Um, like I write down, I was write down amounts. Like if you see my budgeting per month, what I was doing, <laughs> like I literally, I just take a piece of paper every month and I'm just like, okay, like this is how much I have in my bank account. This is how much I'm getting paid. This is what I need to pay. And it's just a bunch of numbers on a piece of paper. And if anyone were to look at it, they'd be like, what is this? But that's how I make sense of it. So yeah, whatever yeah. works for you. Yeah. yeah. So you were living off of less than half of your paycheck. What was that like? Um, so I, yeah, I was probably living off 250 to 300 a month after, um, you know, after sending money to the U S to pay my, to pay my bills after putting away money for travel per month, um, after paying off my phone, my groceries and my I had to put money towards my bus card. So those three things were like outside of rent were the only things that I had to pay for each month. Oh, and mm-hmm. utilities. Um, yeah. But yeah, when it came down to it, I was living off 250 to 300 US dollars per month, which is not that much. Right. I was <laughs> um, <gonna say. laughs> yeah, but it was, it was a lot of, it was saying no to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like clubbing or going to Seoul every weekend or eating out, but it was because I was saying yes to other things. I was saying yes to paying myself first. I was saying yes to saving money for what I truly love to do is travel. Um, you know, and at that point I had been in Korea for almost two years already. So like I said, the novelty of it all, um, had worn off and, um, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to do so much in Korea or every weekend or, you know, go out all the time. So that, that definitely helped. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm curious, what advice would you give to someone who might be thinking about going to teach English in another country in order to pay off or accelerate their debt payoff situation? Um, What advice do you wish like you had gotten before you went about doing this? Um, I wish that somebody had told me that it's possible, you know, Mm. like I kind of had heard people like say that it's possible, but like, I didn't know how, um, but it, it actually, it's, it's, it's very doable. You know, you just have to have, um, you just have to be disciplined. You just have to commit to it. Um, that Mm. was my biggest thing is committing to it. And a lot of people are like, ah, like, but I still want to go out. I want to party with my friends all the time and everything. And, um, you know, like you can do that, but just, you know, pay yourself first. That's really like what I, that's, that's what changed for me is the mindset. So if you want to do, if you want to go live abroad to pay off debt, um, you know, I'd say do it. 
I definitely encourage it. Um, and, you know, just, just make sure that you go in there with a plan, you know, to, to remember what your goal is, what your overall goal is. It's to pay off your debt. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. So speaking of, speaking of mindset, what is your money mantra? Um, so my money mantra is this goes for kind of like everything in my life, um, with like fitness and, uh, yeah, with money and just like my whole life set, um, is everything in moderation, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I just, like I said, I was saying no to going clubbing every weekend, partying and eating out a lot, but I was saying yes to traveling. You know, I was saying yes to the things I really wanted to do, things that, um, that I really loved. And, you know, I, I was able to pay off all of that debt, but I was still able to, um, go on trips every time we had a vacation. Um, you know, I went to the Philippines a few times. I went to Thailand. I went to Japan twice, um, throughout that, throughout those less than two years of paying off my debt. Um, and I even came home to the U S for two of my best friend's weddings. So you lived, it was not like you were a hermit in a closet somewhere. No, I mean like during the (laughs) week sometimes, yes, but, but no, you know, and I mean like even, even through all of that, even, you know, through all of that, I was able to, um, to pay off all of that debt in, in less than two years. You know, I, I signed Mm -hmm. my I signed my last contract in Korea in February of 2019. And so I said, okay, I have one year to pay everything off before I leave in February, 2020. And, um, you know, I was committed to it and I actually, I actually paid off my student loans, which was, I paid off my credit cards by June, 2019. And then I paid off my student loans, um, in December of 2019. So it took me less than two years to do it. Amazing. And you were earning literally like $20,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> but look, it tell it just shows you like once you can get rid of those big like ticket items like rent and stuff like that, you can mm-hmm. do a lot with your money. So I think especially like if you're young and you just like are not settled down yet, like go and do it because yeah. why not? Get the, when yeah. else are you going to get a chance to like travel the world and, and get paid to do something as I guess like as innate to teach English, right? Because like if you mm-hmm. know English, you can. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone teach English. So I think a lot of people get stressed out. They're like, Oh, I'm not a teacher. You know, how do I teach people? But I'm sure they, they train you to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get the training. And like I said, there's a big foreigner community in Korea. There's a lot of resources online um, that you can use. Um, You know, everybody's out there teaching the same textbooks. So you just reach out to another teacher. Hey, do you have a lesson for this? And they're like, yeah, here you go. Mm. you know so that's great um yeah I mean teaching teaching being able to teach um while living abroad um you know just it combined like just two of the things I'm really passionate about so like I said earlier it was it was really a dream for me and um you know paying off my debt um the last two years it, it just became even more of a treat for myself I think mm-hmm. because I knew I was putting myself first again um and I think that's that's another piece of advice I have for people is to, while you're paying off your debt, look at it as a weight that you're treating yourself, Mm. you know, you're taking care of yourself. Um, You know, you're choosing yourself because I thought that I was going to pay, my goal was to pay off my debt before I left Korea or March, 2020. Um, But 
like I said, I ended up paying off the last of my student loans, the last of my debt in December 2019 on Christmas Eve because oh man <laughs> yeah I looked at my finances and I was calculating it and I was like okay you know I could do the next two months whatever like on my plan but I had this money in my account and I was like you know what I have it let me just treat myself for Christmas before the new decade and let yes. me just put this chunk of change towards my student debt that yeah. is one hell of a gift. I just got to yeah. say. <laughs> best, best Christmas ever. So, For real. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, just just look at it as, yeah. I mean, your finances are a way to treat yourself. So. I love that. Yeah. All right, Ava. So where can we find out more about you and follow your journey and what is next for you? Yeah. So um, I actually, I just started a blog um, and I'm going to be starting up a podcast. Um And yes, it's about traveling, but it's more than just, um, you know, the stuff that's on the gram. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to share specific experiences, um, stories, um, and, and very specific moments that people have had while traveling, things that have changed you, that have made you, and things that have even broken you while traveling Mm. or living the expat life. And, um, you know, it wasn't until recently, but I I especially want to create my platform to shine the light on voices of people of color, women of color, um, and uh, especially for Filipino Americans, because I don't really see a lot of people like myself out there um, traveling and sharing those those stories. So, um, you know, once I get that up and going, um, you know, hit me up if you have a story to tell, um, because I would love to have you. Um, so for now, uh, my blog is uh, at www.abigailadventures.com. And my Instagram is at Abigail Adventures. Well, Ava, thank you so much. I am rooting for you and your blog and the success of your new podcast. And congratulations on paying off that debt and living a life that really, for me, at least it sounds like you are just living your best life. You are living an authentic life and you are making every decision at this point that completely aligns with what your goals and your future, um, you know, desires are. So I think that is to be applauded. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being an inspiration to me in the personal (laughs) finance world. You know, I'm still learning a lot, but, um, you know, like you, along with a bunch of um, other women in the personal finance world, I've found my community, I've found my tribe, and it's it's really helped my journey in the last uh, few months. Thank you. I appreciate you. I hope you loved this story. Ava is such an inspiration. She definitely is just a woman who knows what she wants. She is not afraid to go into the unknown and to challenge herself. And I think you can literally hear it as she talks about it. She has evolved into a woman that knows exactly what she wants, exactly what she needs. She is not afraid to say no, and she is not afraid to make decisions that are completely aligned with what she wants, regardless of other people's opinions on it. And I think that is such an important message. Ava, thank you so much for being on the show. And if you guys are loving this podcast, as always, I ask that you rate, you review us, you subscribe, and that you share so that amazing listeners like you can find us and enjoy these episodes as much as I enjoy putting them together. Definitely make sure you're following us on Instagram. There's a lot of amazing content on there. And we're actually starting a sinking fund challenge for the month of August. So if you want to save an extra $500 and have the support of a community behind you, head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, enter your email, and you will get the savings template. So that savings challenge starts August 1st. I can't wait to see you there. And again, find out more about the YQD community by heading over to our Instagram page and checking out the link in our bio. Until next time, guys, stay adventurous, stay fearless, and stay poderosa.
the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.